Amen. This morning, as I was uh, coming over here, I don't live too far from the church, but we got some construction going on and uh, detours. And so I had to go around uh, a distance. Normally it just takes me less than five minutes to get over here, but it took me a little longer. So I just took that opportunity to pray in the spirit. In fact, I wasn't sure where I could get into the church. I went one way and it was blocked. So I turned around and went another way and it was blocked. And so then I went another way and got here on time, praise God. But I thought, well, I might as well just pray in the Holy Ghost while I'm traveling around here. And, and I could hardly wait until I got to the church because as I was praying in the spirit, I sensed the Lord giving me the ability to interpret what I was saying. And so I wrote it down when I got here. And here's what the Lord was saying. Stay free from fear and it'll still be a good year. You'll see, you can always depend on me. I haven't changed and neither have my plans. So trust in me and continue to stand. It's going to turn out better than you think. Keep on rejoicing. And again, I say, keep on rejoicing. So let's do that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am rejoicing in the Lord. God's plans have not changed. He has not changed. I was telling Pastor Justin that uh, with all this time on my hands, I get up every morning in the Word and uh, I don't know how many sermons I get during the course of the day. And, you know, Carol and I are doing some things. We're taking the opportunity to do some landscaping out in the yard and so forth. And I'm just doing what she tells me to do. And, uh, and then I'll go back in and, and uh, I'll study some more. I'll have some thoughts and I'll write them down and, and just begin to search the word out and build a sermon around it. And I'll do that at night before I go to bed. And I told Pastor Justin, I said, I have got enough sermons to preach this year and next year. Hallelujah. I'm taking advantage of this time being in the word. And you know, I I said to Justin, not one time has God ever said to me, now, Jerry, it's time to change your message. Not one time. He said, keep preaching faith. Keep preaching faith. So this morning, I'm going to preach faith. Hallelujah. So lift your hands right now and say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. And give the Lord a shout in advance. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. It's an honor to be with you this morning and thank you for watching. And uh, we appreciate all of you that communicate with us, telling us how much you're enjoying the, the, the messages. Uh, Pastor Justin has been preaching some outstanding messages as as well as some of the other associate ministers here. And uh, we're not changing what we preach. Amen. Amen. As I said, I'm, I, I say it quite often. I've been in this over 50 years, and I have not seen any reason why to change my message. Why? Because it still works. I feel sorry for people that let go of their faith. I feel sorry for people that are always looking for something new. I'm not looking for anything new. This still works. Hallelujah. And so I just have learned more about it. 
I've said often that you can go back and, and listen to messages I preached in 1979 and earlier, and you'll hear the same thing I'm preaching today. I just know more about it. I've got more testimonies to go with it. Hallelujah. So I encourage people, no matter what's going on around them, don't let go of your faith. Stay in faith. Can you say amen? amen. Father, I pray over our viewing audience right now. And I realize that many of them are struggling and many of them are, are hurting. Many of them are at the point where in the natural, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. But I pray in the name of Jesus that they will remember that Jesus said that after he leaves, he will send another comforter, another helper, another standby another intercessor. And we know that that is the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to rise up within them right now and encourage them and strengthen their hearts, strengthen their faith, cause them to become unwavering and cause them to realize that God is still on the throne. He hasn't, he hasn't moved his position. Jesus is still Lord. He hasn't changed at all. The Holy Spirit is still present and is among us and within us. He's not going anywhere. And the word is still forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth may pass away, but your word, Lord, will never pass away. And we are standing on your word. We have your word to rely upon. And we're not going to let go. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just got through singing about it. So I'm asking you to confirm that song with signs following. Make a way for them. Make a way for them. Make a way for them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you receive that prayer, lift your hands right now and just say, I receive it. And I thank God for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them first of all this morning to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Very familiar story. I'm sure that all of you have heard it many times, heard it preached about many times. But as I said, and I make no apologies for it, I'm a faith preacher. Let me repeat that again. I'm a faith preacher. I'll always be a faith preacher. This is all I know, folks. If you want something else, you'll have to go listen to somebody else. This is all I know. I'm a faith preacher. And this is one of the great stories about faith and how faith works and how did it work for you just like it did for these people that we're about to read about. So beginning in verse 21, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship under the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And notice what this man said. And remember, this is one of the religious leaders 
in that city. But when it came to whether or not his daughter would live or die, he laid his religion aside and looked to Jesus. Hallelujah. And maybe that's what some of you need to do. Lay your religious thinking aside and look to Jesus. And notice he said, as he fell at Jesus' feet, he said, yes, my little daughter is at the point of death, but if you will come and lay your hands on her, she will live. Notice his confession. She will live. Not maybe, not perhaps, 50-50 chance, she will live. Now Jesus later teaches in the 11th chapter of Mark, one of the great chapters on the subject of faith. He said that if you believe those things which you sayeth, you shall have whatsoever you sayeth. And right before that, he said, have faith in God. Another translation says, have the God kind of faith. And what he's illustrating is, God releases his faith with the words that come from his mouth. The Bible says, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. God kind of faith is releasing words of faith out of your mouth and believing that they will come to pass. So notice this religious leader, once again, ladies, religion aside. In fact, he probably wasn't very popular the moment he did that because not all the religious people favored Jesus. But at this moment, this man realizes my religion is not going to get my daughter healed. I'm going to lay that aside and I'm going to look to Jesus. And so he says, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she will be healed. Amen. She shall live. And verse 24 says, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. A lot of people were reaching out to him, touching him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, or heard that he was in her village, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now you got to understand, this woman is weak. She's frail. She's had this condition for 12 years. She spent everything she had on physicians endeavoring to get better. Under Levitical law, she's not allowed to come into a crowd because she's unclean. She could have legally been stoned. And the man who could have given the order was the man Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. And yet, because she was in desperate need, she put everything else aside and looked to Jesus, laid it all on the line, and looked to Jesus. You know, some of you may need to come to that place in your life where you just lay everything on the line and say, I'm looking to Jesus. Some of you may have relatives that think you're already nuts for, you know, being a Christian or or believe in God. Well, give them some more evidence. Just lay everything else aside and look to Jesus. And notice she too made a public declaration. Let's see what she said. Verse 28, or verse 27. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. 
For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now notice what this woman's talking. You know, I think it's interesting that neither Jairus nor this woman had sat under the ministry of Jesus for years and years and years, and yet they had faith to be healed. Amen. Some of you have been sitting under faith ministries for years and years and years. And you have faith to be healed. You have faith to be made whole. You have faith to overcome your situation. But what are you doing with it? You know, a lady used to uh, said to Brother Hagin one time, in fact, he had many people say this to him over his many years of ministry. Brother Hagin, I don't know what's happening. I know I have all the faith in the world, but nothing's happening. He said, well, that's your problem. You still have it. Why don't you release it? Amen. And how is faith released? By the words of your mouth. You know, I'm going to keep saying this. I know people sometimes get a little irritated about it, but I'm going to keep saying it because it's Bible principle. It's faith 101. What you say has everything to do with your outcome. And I hear a lot of people talking the wrong things. And I'm not talking about the world. Oh, they're going to talk the wrong thing. They don't know any better. But it's sad when Christians who know better are talking the wrong things. Amen. So notice this little woman said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Verse 29. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in him, himself, that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched me? And this was a little bit shocking to the disciples because everybody's touching him. They'd already said that he was being thronged. That meant that people are reaching out just trying to touch him as he's walking past them. And so when he stopped and said, who touched me? The disciples were amazed. They said, master, everybody's touching you. Everybody that's in hand's reach are trying to touch you. And he said, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But she Uh, fearing and trembling, knowing that what was done in her came and fell down before him or uh, fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now notice she said, if I but touch his clothes, if I can just touch his clothes, I know that I will be healed. And that stopped him in his tracks. Notice Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to lay his hands on his little daughter. But that woman's faith stopped him in his tracks. You know, that's, that's beautiful to me. You know, how many people right now on this planet are endeavoring to reach out to God for help? Amen? I mean, just think about it. How many people do you think are calling on God right now for help. And yet 
He has time to focus on you, particularly when he sees faith coming out of you. Amen. He stopped. He stopped immediately and said, who touched me? And once again, the disciples said, they're all touching you, master. He said, and one translation I read years ago said that, no, I'm not talking about a natural human touch. I'm talking about the touch of faith. Somebody has touched me with their faith. Do you know you can touch God with your faith? Somebody said, oh, if he just come down here, he doesn't have to come down here. You can touch him with your faith right there where you're sitting. Hallelujah. And he, she touched him with her faith. And he stopped and immediately told her, your faith has made you whole. And you know, nothing's changed. Faith still makes people whole. Amen. Now, you know the rest of the story, but let's keep reading. Verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Here comes bad news. Isn't that just like the devil? I mean, you just got through hearing that you can touch God with your faith. And the Bible said from Jesus' teachings himself, once the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal the word. That's what Satan does. That's what he's good at. He will come to steal the word. He'll come in many ways to try to steal the word that you just heard. Amen. But don't let him do it. You don't have to let him do it. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion. He didn't say he is a lion. He acts like one. He just has a roar. That's all. You know, I can, I can bark like a dog, but that doesn't make me a dog. Sometimes I play with my dog. You know, I'll go, I'll go hide somewhere and, and just bark, and I get tickled at him trying to find me. But that don't make me a dog. You know, I can wear a propeller on my beanie, but that don't make me an astronaut, you know. And just because the devil can roar like a lion, it doesn't make him a lion. No, the lion is Jesus. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan is a wannabe. Amen? A wannabe. But he's not. So notice here, the ruler of the synagogue had a messenger that came from his house and stood there and told Jairus, forget about it. Don't trouble the master any longer. Your daughter is dead. Now, I think it's very interesting what Jesus said at this point. The Passion Translation says this, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. Here in the King James, it says, be not afraid, only believe. The Passion Translation once again says, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. I think that's very interesting. What am I going to do, Brother Jerry, in times like this? What am I going to do in these circumstances? Well, you may not want to hear this, but I'm just going to repeat what Jesus says. Don't yield to fear. Keep on believing. Yeah, but Brother Jerry, that's what I'm doing. Well, then why are you asking me what to do? Just keep on believing. Just keep on believing. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? Wait a minute, I didn't find that anywhere in here where Jesus said, keep on believing unless it doesn't work. No, just keep on believing. Amen. Final. Period. At the end. Keep on believing. Amen. Don't yield to fear. The message translation says, 
I love this. Don't listen to them. Just trust me. Now, that's what a lot of you need to do right now. Quit listening to everybody else. And especially CNN. Don't listen. (laughs) Amen? Don't listen to all that stuff. Yeah, but I want to be, you know, informed. Well, some of you are going beyond informed. You're getting talked out of your faith. Amen? Don't listen to them. Now, if you can sit there and listen to all that bad news and it not affect you, then I guess go ahead and listen to it. But I I, I don't even want to take the chance. Amen. I've spent too many years developing my faith and I'm not going to let some worldly-minded reporter talk me out of what I believe in one hour. Hello? Are you still here? So don't listen to them. Just trust me. And then the Amplified Bible says, do not be seized with fear and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Do not be seized with alarm, brother, and struck with fear. Amen. This is the advice of Jesus himself. And it still works today. Can you say amen? When everything around you is negative, and it's causing everybody else around you to be struck with fear, then keep the words of Jesus at the forefront of your thinking. Don't yield to fear. Keep on believing. Can you say amen? So notice in verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come, he saith unto them, Why maketh ye this ado? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now that didn't make him popular with the religious people. And they laughed him to scorn. You know, people are going to laugh. They're going to make fun of you. Amen. But you know, when you overcome this situation, they're not going to be laughing anymore. When you come through on the other side victorious, they're not going to be laughing anymore. In fact, some of them are going to come to you and say, hey, I wish I'd have listened to you earlier. Teach me now. Hallelujah. Amen. They laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all away, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into the, uh, the room where she was. And then he raised her from the dead. Praise God. What a beautiful story. But it wouldn't have ended that way if Jairus had yielded to fear. I like one translation I read years ago. It said that when this messenger came, you know, Jesus is on his way, walking with Jairus, on his way to his house. And that messenger stopped him and said, don't trouble the master any longer. Your daughter is dead. One translation said, Jairus, don't pay any attention to that. Don't panic. Listen to me, let's keep going. I like that, praise God. Just keep going forward. Can you say amen? Each one of the translations, and I've read many of them. In fact, I read at least 15 different translations of this story before I, brought, before I came in here to bring you this sermon this morning. Over the last few days, I've read 15 different translations of this story and not one of them changes the principle of don't yield to fear. 
Amen. Every one of them. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't yield to fear. Amen. You can't get Jesus to say anything else when trouble comes. Don't fear. Amen. How many of you trust Jesus today? I believe what Jesus says and I trust him, praise God. So if he says don't fear, then I am not going to fear. Hallelujah. Amen. Another translation I said had it a little bit different. Don't worry. Oh, that's great. Praise God. Don't worry. Some Christians are full of worry right now. Like Brother Copeland says, they're just worry warts. You ever heard that? I realize some of you are watching this from other nations and even other parts of the United States rather than the South or the Southwest where we are. And uh, that's an old saying that I used to hear my grandmother say, quit being a worry wart. Amen. Just quit worrying. Well, here this translation says, don't worry. Don't worry. Worry and fear attract Satan. In fact, he thrives on worry and fear. That's giving him place in your life. And we certainly don't want to give him place because the Apostle Paul said, neither give him place. I, I heard one preacher say, if you give him an inch, he'll take a foot. If you give him a foot, he'll take a, a yard. Give him a yard and he'll take a mile. So don't yield to fear. Don't give him an inch. Worry and fear, once again, is what he thrives on. If, if he can't get you to worry and he can't get you to fear, then he can't defeat you, praise God. Amen. Amen. The Bible illustrates a a very powerful principle about fear in the story of Job. You know the story of Job and how that God had made him the wealthiest man in all the East. Job lived a a, a tremendously successful life. And then Satan came and began to attack him. And you know the story without me getting into it in depth. But after all the attacks came, Job makes this statement. Listen to it very closely. Job chapter 1 verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come upon me. Notice how fear attracts. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Fear and faith are opposite forces. Amen. Faith comes from God. Fear comes from Satan. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Fear cometh by hearing the word of Satan. They're both released the same way. Words of your mouth. Amen. You can talk faith. You can talk fear. Amen. And notice here, both of them will produce results. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things dreaded. If you keep talking fear, you're going to get what you fear the most. It may not happen in a split second. It may not happen in the next hour. But if you keep talking that fear, you have released a spiritual force and you're going to get what you fear the most. It's just a Bible principle, folks. Now, I like to say it this way. If you can can have what you fear the most, then why can't you have what you faith the most? Hallelujah. Amen. I faith healing. 
I have faith protection. I have faith deliverance. I have faith prosperity. Hallelujah. I'm not fearing going broke. I'm not fearing losing everything I have. I'm not fearing dying of this disease. I'm faithing, healing, wholeness, prosperity, and everything else God wants me to have. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I have faith healing. I have faith holiness. I have faith wholeness. I have faith prosperity. I have faith every good thing that God wants me to have. In Jesus' name, so be it. And give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't ever forget that fear activates Satan in your life just like faith activates God. Now, once again, from Mark chapter 5, where Jesus said, be not afraid. Another translation says, don't panic. Don't panic. Panic is an overwhelming feeling of fear regarding an anticipated event. Let me say that again. Panic is an overwhelming feeling of fear regarding an anticipated event. Now, what are you anticipating through all of this? Are you anticipating coming out on the other side victorious? Are you anticipating losing everything you have? Are you anticipating it never getting any better? That's not what I'm anticipating. In fact, let me read you again what I prayed in the Holy Ghost this morning. And and the Lord gave me the interpretation. You know, Paul said, uh, pray in the Spirit and also pray that you interpret. So that's what I did. Stay free from fear and it will still be a good year. Now, right now, it doesn't look like it. To most people, it does not look like there is any way that 2020 could still be a good year. But I'm believing God. I'm faithing what God says. Hallelujah. Stay free from fear and it will still be a good year. You'll see, you can always depend on me. I haven't changed and neither have my plans. So trust in me and continue to stand. I'm going to turn it out better than you think. So keep on rejoicing. And again, I say, keep on rejoicing. Hallelujah. It's going to be better than we think. And I started out thinking coming into 2020 that it's going to be a year of supernatural increase. Well, it's going to be better than that. I don't know what could be better than supernatural increase, but it's going to be better than I think. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a great shout. Glory to God. Amen. So don't panic. Now, let's back up one chapter to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and look at verse 35. Hold on just a minute. Let me get a little drink of water. I'm having a drink, not because it's a dry sermon. It's just, you know, my throat's dry. Okay. Look at verse 35. And the same day, when evening was come, he saith unto them, let us go over unto the other side. That's one of my favorite phrases. I say that all the time. When, When many times after a staff meeting and we lay out our plans and so forth and what we believe God wants us to do, I'll get up and say, let us go to the other side. Amen. I love that phrase. Let us go to the other side. I'm always planning to go to the other side. And notice it says, and when they, 
And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now I have been on that sea. I used to take our Bible school graduates to Israel every year just before graduation. I've been there many times. I've been on that sea. I've been in a ship on that sea. I have preached in that ship. Uh, Not the same one Jesus was in, but in a ship. Okay. And when we went out one morning, it was beautiful. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And and I had taken a a group. This, This wasn't the Bible school students, but some of my pastor friends like Jesse and Kathy DePlantis wanted to go to Israel. They'd never been before. And so I took about 10 couples, pastor friends, and we all went to Israel. And we got on the ship on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the captain asked me, he said, would you like to preach on the ship uh, out in the Sea of Galilee like Jesus did? I said, sure. So I went to Jesse and I said, Jesse, we're going to tag team. I'll start and I'll tag you and then you preach. And so I started preaching to the folks that were in the ship. And once again, it was a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. And then I tagged Jesse and he started preaching. And in a little while, I mean, just out of nowhere, the clouds rolled in. It got so dark, you could hardly see. And finally, the captain told me, he said, tell that preacher to stop. He's preached up a storm. (laughs) And we had to get back to the shore as quickly as we could. So notice a storm arose. I believe this thing was demonic. Why do I say that? Because Satan heard Jesus say, and what does Satan do? He comes to steal the word. And what was the word he was trying to steal? Let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. He fully intended to kill them all, drown them all right out in the middle of the sea. Now notice, that would create panic. Wouldn't you agree? So notice there arose a great storm of wind. Now the Amplified Bible says a storm of hurricane proportion. Now I'm not going to get too hard on the disciples for, you know, yielding to fear. You and I probably would have done the same thing. You ever been in a hurricane? (laughs) Uh, Have you ever just lifted up your hands and started rejoicing in a hurricane? Well, I didn't. I was in a hurricane one time back years ago down in the south part, southern part of Louisiana. And uh, uh, I didn't know the Lord back then. And I can promise you, I wasn't rejoicing. It scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> Amen. And, and thank God I wasn't on a ship. We were about to get on a ship. Uh, a friend of mine that lived across the street from me he and I went down to South Louisiana to get a, a job on the uh, offshore rigs because they paid a lot of money. And we went down there to take this job on an offshore rig and we were about to leave the dock and get on that ship and go offshore. And this storm came, this hurricane came. And I, I'm not going to pretend at all. I'm not going to tell you that I just stood there with a brave heart and looked it right in the face and said, I command you to wither away. I was scared. I went to running and ducking under something. And Kenny is on his own. Hallelujah. You know? <laughs> I'm glad he made it too, but uh, it was scary. So 
I'm not, I'm not, you know, giving the disciples a hard time. So notice there was a storm, a hurricane proportion storm. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So one of the points I want to make here in this story is, notice how they yielded to fear. Not only fear, but panic stage. For them to get up and wake Jesus up and say, don't you care that we perish? That's panic stage. I mean, what, what would cause you to think that Jesus didn't care? He'd already said, let's go to the other side. That was his plan. Let's go to the other side. And he was so confident they were going to get to the other side, he went to sleep. But when they saw this storm, hurricane proportion wind, the boat's full of water, they panicked. And they said, don't you care that we perish? Folks, let me encourage you, do not say to God in this time we're experiencing. Don't you care? He cares more than you know. Amen. Don't ever say to God, don't you care? He cares. And he wants you to come out on the other side victorious. And I think it's interesting too that when Jesus got up and spoke to that storm and said, peace be still, there was a great calm. And if you look this up in the Greek you'll find where it says there was a great storm. That word great in the Greek is mega, M-E-G-A. And then if you'll look where it says and there was a great calm, there's also the Greek word mega. And I like to say it this way. In every mega storm, there is a mega calm. Hallelujah. In every great storm, if you won't panic, if you won't yield to fear, you're going to come out on the other side and experience a great calm. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I think you got to lift your hands and thank God for that. We're headed for a great calm. We're headed for a great victory. Praise God. So don't panic. Amen. Now, Philippians chapter one. Remember what I said? Panic is an overwhelming feeling of fear regarding an anticipated event. What are you anticipating? Now, go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul is in prison. And from what I've heard, it was the worst prison of the, t- of the day. This, this man, is, his life is being threatened. They've made a movie not too long ago about the Apostle Paul in that prison. And it was horrible. The conditions were horrible. But notice what he says in verse 19. Here's what he was anticipating. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. How many of you can say that right now? That I know when all this is over with, that it's going to turn to a great victory. That I'm going to have a great victory when this is all over, praise God. That's what I am anticipating. 
For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Notice he's facing death. In the natural, there's no way to overcome what he's going through right now. But he says, in spite of it all, I know that this is going to turn. How many of you can say right now, I know that this is going to turn. In fact, if you, if you haven't been able to say it, say it by faith right now. I know this is going to turn. Say it again. I know this is going to turn. And notice he said, according to my earnest expectation. What are you expecting? What are you anticipating? You know, it's a proven fact, not just from Bible teaching, but it's a proven fact that you get what you expect. You get what you anticipate. Amen. Once again, it may not happen overnight, but you keep anticipating dread and, and, and things that you don't want happening in your life. It eventually will come to pass. It's proven through Job's life. But on the other hand, if you anticipate and expect God to come through for you, he may not come through in the time frame that you want him to, but he will come through. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't give up on God. Hallelujah. Don't say, if God doesn't do something by dark, I'm not playing anymore. No, shut up. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Don't yield to fear. Anticipate the best coming to pass. Can you say amen? I think I'll shout again, praise God, because I am anticipating good things coming out of something bad. Hallelujah. Now I think I'm I'm sensing that there's some people here that are watching by internet or whatever, live stream, and maybe you're not, you know, uh, one of us, and you're thinking, that preacher is crazy. Well, if I am, just leave me alone because it's working. Praise God. Now, Psalm 91. Man, what a great psalm in times like this. I I, want to read it to you the way I declare it. I put I in there, me in there, instead of thou, as, as the scriptures say. So here's the way I'm going to read it. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snares of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. The message translation, he shields me from deadly hazards. Oh, I like that. He shields me from deadly hazards. Then the King James, he shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings Shall I trust? His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I looked up the word buckler. You know, I don't know how many times I've read that in Psalm 91, and I really didn't really didn't know what buckler meant. I knew it was a piece of armor, but I didn't know how extensive it was. Buckler is a huge piece of defensive armor covering the entire body from head to toe. Glory to God, I'm covered from head to toe. Hallelujah. I'm covered from head to toe. Glory to God. He's my buckler. Amen. And then it says, I shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day. 
the message says, I'm fear nothing. Fear nothing. Nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. The message translation says, you'll stand untouched and watch it all from a distance. My goodness. That's what I'm doing. I'm watching it all from a distance. Hallelujah. Untouched. That's my confession. See, I'm doing exactly what Jairus did and what the little woman with the issue of blood did. I will say of the Lord. And this is what I'm saying. Amen. Well, I tried that, Brother Jerry, and it didn't work. Well, I tried it and it did. What I want to listen to you for. And it's still working. After 50 years, it's still working. Folks, I'm not trying to be hard, but I'm not going to be talked out of this. I cannot be talked out of this. You know, our theme around here is making winners in life. Amen. People have asked me all these years, everywhere I've gone, all over the world. I've been to 46 different nations, and people have asked me, Brother Jerry, what do you believe your assignment is? And I always say the same thing. Talk people into winning. That's what I'm endeavoring to do this morning. Talk you into winning. Hallelujah. You've had enough people talk you into losing, talk you into quitting. I want to talk you into winning. Hallelujah. God wants you to be a winner in life. Can you say amen? Now, in Psalm 91 verse 16, and boy, I I, I hold fast to this. Oh, it's so dear to me because I've experienced it. With long life will he satisfy me. You know, you've heard my testimony about three or four years ago, I had a massive stroke, never to be normal again, lost total use of my right arm, partial use of my right leg, total uh, memory wiped out, couldn't remember a thing. And I was to be just a vegetable for the rest of my life. My wife would have to uh, treat me like an invalid, never preach again, never travel again, never be normal again. But God had promised me. And I'd been confessing this. I learned this from Kenneth Hagin 50 years ago. The first time I heard Kenneth Hagin, I heard him say, Psalm 91 says, with long life, he will satisfy me. And Brother Hagin added this. He said, if you ever hear that I'm gone, it's because I got satisfied. And so I started confessing that myself, that with long life, he will satisfy me. Amen. And even though I had no memory, I didn't even know my family, I didn't know my wife, I couldn't remember one sermon I'd ever preached, one scripture I'd ever put in my heart, I couldn't remember it in my mind, even though it was down in my spirit. Oh, my spirit was a treasury of the word of God. And even though I couldn't communicate, I could only say one word in English, yes, whatever they asked me, yes, It didn't make any difference what they had. Yes, but I never lost the ability to pray in tongues. Oh, and that was such a blessing. Later I asked the Lord, why was I able to pray in tongues when I couldn't speak any English? He said, son, your spirit is not connected to your brain. Hallelujah. And so I was able to pray in the spirit. Amen. And when God delivered me, God restored me. And I'm talking about just a few days later. Just a few days later. I was never to be normal again. But a few days later, I'm not talking about months later, I'm talking about a few days later, I was completely 
totally healed with no evidence there had ever been a stroke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. My time is not yet. He satisfies me with long life. I'm 73 years old and I still got a lot of living to do, still got a lot of preaching to do, and still got a lot of testimonies to share with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say with me right now, with long life, he will satisfy me. Amen. Praise God. Now, Psalm 63, verse 5 and 6 says, my expectation is from him. See, I just got through telling you what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to live a long life. I'm expecting him to satisfy me with long life. My expectation is from him. And if it comes from him, then it comes from his word. So everything I expect, I found in the word of God. I expect what I see in the word of God. And then it goes on to say, and I shall not be moved. I cannot be moved. That's the reason why I'm telling you today that I'm going to keep preaching faith whether or not anybody wants to hear it. If nobody wants to hear it, I'm going to preach it to myself. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to keep preaching faith and I'm not going to be moved. Glory to God. You say, well, that's a little arrogant. Isn't it? No, it's not arrogant. It's knowing the truth. It's knowing who I am in Christ. It's knowing what faith can produce. It's knowing what faith has produced and it's knowing what faith will produce. If you think it's arrogant, I'm sorry, but it's not arrogance. It's simply knowing in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. Praise God. I I suppose if Paul was alive today, the apostle Paul, uh, people would be saying he was arrogant because a very positive man. He just would not give in to fear. He would not accept defeat. And if that's, uh, you know, being arrogant, then I want to be a member of his team. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So notice here, uh, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation from Psalm 91. He alone is my safe place. His wrap around presence always protects me. For he is my champion defender. I love that. He is my champion defender. Listen to this. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me? Man, what a great translation. Let me me read this again. He alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me. He is my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me? paralyze me. Praise God. Isn't this good? Man, you ought to be shouting right now. Praise God. Amen. And then back to the King James from Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, all ye people. Trust in him at all times. Now, here's what I'm believing. You don't know what I'm believing through all this? Here's what I'm believing. Psalm 65, 11. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. I'm going to go back and read this again. It just come to me this morning, right out off the press. Now remember, Psalm 65, 11, thou crownest the year with thy presence. Stay free from fear and it will still be a good year. It'll still be a good year. 
You'll see, you can always depend on me. I haven't changed and neither have my plans. So trust in me and continue to stand. It's going to turn out better than you think. So keep rejoicing. And again, I say, keep on rejoicing. Hallelujah. I am rejoicing because I believe God is going to crown my year with his goodness. Hallelujah. Why don't you choose to believe that? Say it right now. I believe that God is going to crown my year with his goodness. Amen. One commentary states this. He will honor us by pouring out his goodness upon us. He will honor us. Actually, he will honor our faith. And he will pour out his goodness upon us. So therefore, I'm not going to let the circumstances or the situations that we are presently encountering change what I believe. I'm still believing that it's going to be a good year. God's going to crown the year with his goodness. Amen? Praise God. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Don't you love the word of God? Look at verse 8. Now, I'm reading from one of the greatest men of faith that's ever lived on this planet, the Apostle Paul. In fact, when I get to heaven, after I spend a lot of time with my Father God and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and my relatives, the next person I want to meet is Paul. And I plan to tell him, I preached all your sermons. (laughs) Amen. Look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivereth us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. The message translation says it this way. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. Notice the circumstances, and and, and I want to point out, Paul did not pretend the circumstances were not there. He didn't pretend that it wasn't really that bad. I'm not pretending that coronavirus is not bad. I'm not pretending that it's not there. It's a figment of our imagination. No, it's not. It's there. It's destructive. It's killing people. I'm not denying its existence. However, I am denying its existence in my body, praise God. Because by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And Psalm 91 protects me, praise God. Amen. So notice Paul, this great man of faith, didn't live in some kind of protective bubble and pretend that there was no trouble. Amen. Notice he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, folks, of the trouble that, that we were enduring, that was around us, that was taking place. In fact, uh, we weren't sure in the natural if we were going to pull through this, if we were going to make it out of this. So he's facing some extreme negative circumstances in the natural. 
And it seemed that there was absolutely no way to overcome them. But giving up was not Paul's way. Giving up was not his nature. Quitting was not an option for the Apostle Paul. That's, that's where I learned that, that quitting is not an option. I've been saying that for 50 years now. Quitting is not an option. And, and the one that I learned it from the most was the Apostle Paul. This man went through more than you and I will ever go through. But quitting was never an option. Hallelujah. And then he went on to say that it was so bad that we could not trust in ourselves. We had to trust in God. The message translation says, we were forced to trust God totally. And he did it. Hallelujah. They were forced to trust God totally. They couldn't trust in themselves. They couldn't trust in anything in the natural. They couldn't trust man. They had, they were forced to trust God. And he says, and he did it. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you trust God. He does it. Hallelujah. Amen. He's faithful. The message translation went on to say, and he'll do it again. He'll rescue us as many times as we need rescuing. That's my testimony. I can't tell you in one service how many times God has come through for me in 50 years. I can't tell you how many times he has rescued me, how many times he's delivered me, how many times he has met the need, how many times he's brought us out of lack, how many times he's given us a miracle. And I'm saying what the apostle Paul said, and he'll do it again. He'll do it as many times as I need it. Praise God. Why? Because my trust is in him. He is the faithful God. He's the way maker. Praise God. Can you say amen? So if you truly are sold out to God, and I believe you are, then adversity comes with the territory. I'm not saying that, you know, I have such great faith that I never have any trouble. No, I have great faith and trouble follows me. It's just part of the territory. Amen. But I don't have to yield to fear. I don't have to yield to the trouble. You know, if you're thinking, boy, if I could ever develop my faith and get to the place where I had faith like the Apostle Paul, then I'd never have another problem. You need to read his story again. If you have faith like the Apostle Paul, welcome to trouble. Amen. Like this guy, and you've heard me say it before. Uh, I was preaching with Oral Roberts at Oral Roberts University and, and uh, in, a, in a minister's meeting we were having there. Brother Roberts was sponsoring. And Brother Roberts said, uh, I'll preach first and you preach second. You'll follow me. I thought, wow, why don't you let me preach first? He said, no, I'll preach first and you follow me. Who follows Oral Roberts? You know, one of the greatest men of faith that our generation. And so he said, I'll preach first and you preach after me. And the title of my sermon, it's amazing. I just remembered it. Don't panic. That was what I was preaching. Don't panic. And so uh, after I got through preaching, he said, now you lay hands on the people. And so I had people come up in the prayer line and there was, I don't know how many people came. There was over 2,000 preachers there and it looked like about 200 of them got in the prayer line. And this one man that I got ready to pray for, I said, what do you need, sir? 
He said, I want you to pray that I will never have another problem. I'll never have another challenge and I'll never have another test or trial. I looked over at Brother Roberts and he looked at me and I said, well, the only prayer I can pray is, Lord, let this man die. He said, what? I don't want to die. I said, well, sir, that's what you asked me to pray. He said, no, I didn't ask you to pray that I'd die. I asked you to pray I would never have any more trouble. I said, well, sir, the only way I know you'll never have any more trouble on this planet, you have to die and leave it. Well, I don't want to die. I said, Lord, let him live and teach him how his faith will overcome every trouble, every trial, every test that he'll go through. Amen. Brother Roberts come up to me after he put his arm around me. He says, that was the best sermon you ever preached. And especially what you told that man at the end. Hallelujah. Well, if you never want to have another problem, you never want to have another challenge, you have to die and leave the planet. I don't want to die, and I don't think you do either. So learn how to take your faith and overcome the world with it. Amen? Praise God. So notice Paul is saying here, we had trouble, and it was serious. It was life-threatening but we determined that we would not trust in ourselves or anybody else. We were going to trust in God and God came through for us. Amen? God came through. Now, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, just one chapter later, and I love this. This is one of my favorite verses. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph. You remember what he said in uh, chapter one from the message translation? He said, we were forced to trust God. And then it says, and he came through, he did it and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. And now he says, and now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Always, say Always. Always here in Fort Worth means without exceptions. Always. Always. I'm expecting to triumph always. I'm anticipating to triumph always. Do I have that right? Yes, I do. Because the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said we have the right to expect to triumph always. And that's what I'm expecting, praise God. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, he always leads us into triumph. And the message translation says, he leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm I'm preparing for a victory parade. How about you? I'm going to the other side and I'm preparing for a victory parade. Why don't you get up right now? If you're seated, get up. If you're laying down, get up. Act like you're marching. Get ready for a victory parade, praise God. That's where God is going to take you, into a victory parade. Come on, march with me, praise God. I'm headed for a victory parade. Come on, give the Lord a great shout. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right, you can be seated for a moment. I'm not done yet. I still got a few more minutes here. Now listen to what... 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 starts out with, you don't know the trouble we've seen. (laughs) Now he's talking about, I'm headed for a victory parade. And now listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Beginning in verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Notice how this great man of faith is always focusing on the positive. Amen? He didn't say, we never have any trouble. He didn't say that. He said, we have trouble on every side, yet not distressed. He didn't say, I'm never perplexed. I'm never in a place where I don't know what to do. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, or not cast down. Uh, I'm sorry, persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Another translation says, you might knock me down, but you ain't never gonna knock me out. Hallelujah. I like that. Praise God. So notice this great man of faith, he wasn't pretending there was no problem. He didn't act as though, ah, no big deal. He said, trouble, man, you, we've had the trouble. You don't know the trouble we've seen. It was life-threatening, but we're not in despair. But we're not cast down, but we're not forsaken. In other words, this man, even in the midst of the worst circumstances you could ever imagine, he's still remaining positive. He's still trusting God. And what did he say? And thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Can you say amen? Amen. And then I I love this, the latter part of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul even has the attitude, now this, this, this is going to take for you to um, expand your thinking somewhat. Paul has the attitude that whatever we're going through is not going to last forever. Some of you have, have just locked in to this thing is never going to change. Uh, our world is never going to get back to normal. We're never going to live a normal life again. Don't make this thing permanent. Because the Bible says from the Apostle Paul, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. The New New Living Translation says, momentary troubles. Momentary troubles. The Message Translation says, the things which are now Let me say it again. The things we see now are here today, but gone tomorrow. In other words, he's saying, this is not going to last forever. There are better days just ahead. Come on, get ready for your victory parade. Get ready for your victory parade. In fact, I challenge you to just go around the house the rest of the day. And if your wife wasn't watching this broadcast or your children wasn't watching this broadcast or your husband wasn't watching Just start marching through the house and make them wonder what you've been watching. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Get ready for your victory parade. This is not going to last forever. Hallelujah. And then he says, we're not giving up. So don't give up, folks. Don't give up. I still have so much more to say, but I believe I'll just end it right there. This can be a time of some of the greatest victories you've ever experienced. That's just God's way. 
Read your Bible. When his people are under the greatest threat, God has a habit of turning things around and giving them one of the greatest victories they've ever experienced. And he says, he doesn't change. If you're going through the worst time of your life right now, don't give up. God is in the habit of turning the worst times into the best times. So just stay in faith. Watch what you say. Don't yield to fear. Stay positive. Stay courageous. Be bold. Look the devil right in the face and tell him, if anybody's going to quit, it's going to be you, not me. I'm not giving up. Hallelujah. You just might as well take all that to somebody else's house because it's not going to be received here in our house. Amen. Lift your hands right now. Father, I pray over every person who's been watching this broadcast this morning, watching this service, and I pray that they will not yield to fear. I pray that they will remain strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, I pray that if they have any symptoms whatsoever, that those symptoms will now bow to the word of the living God. In the name of Jesus, your word from Psalm 91 guarantees our divine protection. And we receive it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Praise God. Lift your hands one more time and just thank God that you're headed for a victory parade. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh, Justin, I, I feel led of the Lord for me to, to do the offering, if you don't mind. You say, you mean you're going to receive an offering? Well, of course I'm going to receive an offering. The worst thing you could do is stop giving in these kind of circumstances. I want, to, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. This little chapter, not many verses in this little chapter, has been a source of strength to me and encouragement to me for many, many years. I'll just put my notes aside there. Look at verse 1. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Well, it starts off with good news. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. That word Selah means stop and think about this. And we're going to go back to that verse in just a moment because he specifically said, stop and think about what he just said. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. Hallelujah. Now look at verse three once again. Remember all thy offerings. Years ago, when Carol and I were just starting out in this life of faith, we were still living in Shreveport, Louisiana. I had, I had shut my business down. I still had a lot of business debts. I had a lot of personal debts. In the natural, I didn't know how in the world I'd ever get out of debt. I didn't know how I would ever pay off all those business debts. 
But I knew I had the call of God on my life. And I knew that I, you know, I would have liked it better that I got all those debts paid off before I went into the ministry. But I knew that God had called me and I knew I couldn't wait for the condition to be perfect before I stepped out. And so I shut the business down and in the natural, I have no income. I don't have my business. I don't have any way of income. I got debts to pay. I got a house note. I got car notes. I got to pay the electricity. I got to buy groceries. I got a wife. I got two babies. Uh, my oldest daughter was born in 68, youngest daughter in 69. This is 1969. And uh, I got babies to feed in the natural. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But Kenneth Copeland taught me, and he's the one that brought the word of faith to me back there in 1969. And he taught me the basic principles of living by faith. And those principles I began to appropriate and they're the same principles that I'm appropriating today. Amen. And in the natural, how is God going to take care of me? You know, I remember my dad uh, only taught me two verses when I was growing up. Now, we grew up in a, a little Baptist church that was down the road from our, our house, a little country Baptist church. And I don't remember a whole lot about what they preached, except I do remember them talking about once saved, always saved. That's about the only thing I remember. But uh, I remember my dad taught me two verses. He said they were in the Bible. I took his word for it. And one of them was, a man that don't work, don't eat. That's what he said was in the Bible. Well, I liked eating, so I went to work. And that's the only way I knew how to put food on my table, just work hard. And I, I, I had a good work ethic. If it took me all day to finish a job, I, I, I did automotive paint body work. I restored classic cars and so forth. And sometimes I could get it all done in eight hours. Sometimes it'd take me 12, 15 hours. Sometimes I didn't even come home at night, just work all night. And it didn't bother me because I liked having food on the table. You know, A man that don't work, don't eat. So I, I worked. And uh, then he told me, a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. And I didn't know what an infidel was, but it didn't sound good, so I didn't want to be one. So I took care of my family best I could, you know. Now, I'm in a bedroom, a guest bedroom, studying the Bible all day, not working with my hands, not laboring with my hands and I got a family to feed and how is God going to take care of me? And I remember Brother Copeland teaching me these basic principles of faith and I'm speaking the word of God. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm confessing that day and night and uh, doing everything else that I, I can find in the word to do and then Brother Roberts came out in 1969 with the little book, The Miracle of Seed Faith. And I remember watching his broadcast and he said, if you will write to me, I'll send you this book absolutely free. I turned to my wife and I said, Carolyn, here's one we can afford. Get the address and write to them. 
And as soon as that little book came in the mail, I absorbed it. I consumed it. I lived by it. Oral Roberts taught me how to make God my source of supply. Not only that, he taught me seed faith. The miracle of seed faith. Amen. And so I began to sow. And we didn't have much to sow. And, and God began to provide me with opportunities to make some money. Uh, Carolyn's dad was a, uh, in the, in the uh, construction business. He built new homes and so forth. And every once in a while, he'd ask me to come help him on a job. I didn't know a thing about building a house. I didn't know one nail from another. I didn't know one piece of lumber from another. And he'd say, well, can you come help me today? I need some help. I said, I'd be happy to, but I don't know a thing. You have to tell me everything to do. I work on cars. I don't know anything about building houses. And so he'd say, uh, uh, go to the lumber yard. He'd give me a list of what to buy. And I'd go to the lumber yard and I'd bring back the lumber. Or he'd, he'd tell me, uh, go get lunch for us. And I'd, I'd go get lunch for him and the other carpenters. Or uh, uh, do this, do that. He'd show me what to do and I'd do it. I'd work. And I really wasn't expecting any pay out of it because I was a gopher. Go for this, go for that, you know. And uh, I wasn't expecting to get paid out of it. But when he'd finished the job, he'd come over to my house and he'd say, uh, the Lord told me to bless you. And he'd bless me. And I'd be able to pay a bill or I'd be able to buy groceries. I'd be able to pay the, the house note or whatever, you know. And every once in a while, somebody would ask me to work on their car. And I'd say, well, I don't have my shop anymore. Uh, if I work on it, I have to do it in, in, under my carport. I don't care where you do it. I want you to do it. I'd work on their car and, and they'd pay me and I'd be able to, you know, pay some bills and buy some groceries. But every time I got a little bit of money, I sowed a seed. I sowed a seed. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. But it was the best I could do. I sowed a seed. And then one day, as I'm praying and studying, I come across this chapter in the Bible. And it said, remember all thy offerings. Remember all thy offerings. And I heard the Spirit of God say, Son, I'd never forget a seed sown. I'd never forget a seed sown. Even though your seed has been small, I haven't forgotten it. Even though your seed hasn't been much, I haven't forgotten it. You'll see I'm going to honor it. Notice it says, I will remember all your offerings. Amen. And I will grant all your petitions. So I started learning how to write a petition. And I wrote out a petition regarding my seed. And I looked up all the verses I could find about sowing and reaping. And I put it in that petition. And I said, Lord, here's what your word says. I'm, it's a, a, a petition is a legal document. And I, I taught years later on, on the prayer petition. And I teach people a petition it's something you don't just pray off the top of your head. It's something that you prepare for. You study. You get evidence. Like a lawyer getting ready to pre- present a case. He didn't just walk in that courtroom and say, well, you know, this law book said thus and so, and, and one time somebody got forgiven for this crime. And No, he prepares. He knows exactly what the law says. And he presents it. 
That's exactly what I'm doing in a petition. I know exactly what God's word says and I'm presenting it back to God. And here he said, he will honor my petitions. So I would write in there, Lord, all I had was $3.75 to sow today. But you said in your word, and I wrote out all those scriptures. And then I'd take it into Carolyn and we'd pray it together. And then we'd sign our name and we'd date it. I still have all those petitions in my archives. And God honored every one of them. I I remember one time when a great financial blessing, and of course it would be small in comparison to today, but it was great back then. A great financial blessing came to us. I mean, just as they say, out of the blue. I said, Lord, why did you do this? He said, didn't I tell you? I never forget a seed sown. This is from that seed you sowed. This is from that that offering you gave that little lady. This is for helping that person with gasoline the other day. This is for helping that person. He never forgets a seed sown. And you know, I believe that the reason I can stand before you right now and say that I'm not suffering financially, personally, nor as a ministry in these conditions is because I'm a sower. I have sown for over 50 years. I never stopped sowing. Amen. I haven't, I haven't written to one person, one ministry that we sow monthly to and tell them we can't afford to sow anymore. I haven't done that. And I'm not going to do that. I get letters like that quite often, but I'm not going to do that. Because I know that my sowing links me to the supernatural. And God never forgets a seed sown. So today I want to ask you to pray about a seed that you will sow. And believe God that he will never forget a seed sown. I got my seed right here. I prepared it before I ever came over here. Justin, come on up and I want you to pray over them and and tell them how to sow their seed. But don't ever stop sowing, folks. That's the worst thing you can do in a crisis. Sow whatever you can sow. Don't ever stop sowing. And just the moment you release it, you say, God, you'll remember my seed song. You'll never forget this seed in Jesus' name. Amen.